Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Well, very interesting timing for this discussion with Frank Madden of Locked on Bucks. Uh, and we are not going to put this one in the can and let it sit for a couple of days. I learned that lesson seven years ago with Frank as we were reminiscing before we started recording when Chris Middleton tore his hamstring and I had to beg him on my hands and knees to re-record the podcast. Uh, so I still I still owe you one for that. Uh, but uh, we uh, need to talk uh, first. Uh, I think, you know, this isn't normally to get into with the team preview, but Giannis had some comments that ignited a little bit of a firestorm. I guess we'll, I want to get your opinion on how much uh, in the New York Times. Uh, Frank, first of all, welcome on. Uh, and second, uh, let's, uh, it feels like we were here three years ago, but now uh, we are here again uh, with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I, I think we will continue to be here probably, you know, every year. I think I think Giannis's future um regardless of his extent, whatever his contract is uh especially when you factor in the bucks and and the age of the core around him and you know the, the group that he's now won a championship with um i think every year you know even if he signs an extension a year from now um you know with the way things are now with players uh asking to be traded even if they're they're not impending free agents um you know i i think the reality is Giannis has come to realize that he is in a a privileged position that that he can apply pressure to the Bucks as an organization, and they have spent an incredible amount of money. To their credit, they have spent a ton of money the last couple of years um, to retain the core that that won them a championship. And I think he realizes that you know it's in his interest to not just sign at the earliest. Uh, instance, uh, a new extension. It's not in his interest to just sort of say, hey, whatever, whatever you guys want to do is cool with me. I'll sign. I want to stay here forever. I'm loyal. Um, I think he realizes that, you know, probably for his career um, and and also just for keeping them honest and making sure that that they continue to um, sign the guys that need to need to be kept. And, you know, whether it's Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez this summer, Drew Holiday next year will be in a similar situation. I think Giannis realizes that the way he can best do that is by making sure the Bucks very publicly uh, are on the spot to continue investing in this team, continue spending money, certainly beyond what, you know, I think I, I think anybody really expected, you know, four or five years ago, did we think the Bucks were going to be, you know, have an $80 million tax bill, you know, at any point, probably not, but that's where they were a year ago and they're going to have another big tax bill this year. So I think part of this is just Giannis continuing to apply pressure to the Bucks as an organization to not take his loyalty for granted. Um, and I think part of it also is that, you know, Giannis, you know, you, you can't just take what guys say when they're 23, 24, 25 years old and, you know, entering stardom and loving where they are um, and just assume that's going to be the case forever. And with this team, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it for a fair bit, right? I mean, you know, they they did bring back 
uh, the band for for at least one more year with Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez resigning. But there's obviously uncertainty kind of beyond this. And and so I think, um, you know, it's only natural for him to kind of continue to evaluate where he wants to be. And and at some point, maybe that won't be Milwaukee, right? So um, I don't think Giannis is leaving in the next year or two necessarily, but you never know what can happen. And I think he's kind of just keeping them on notice that they have to continue kind of holding up their end of the bargain. So I don't think it's necessarily, you know, time for, if you're a Bucks fan to panic. Ironically, I think this is kind of good. You know, if you, if you want the Bucks to continue spending money, this is the best way to to ensure that. Uh, but obviously, there's also the side of it where it's like, man, you know, if you like the Bucks, like you don't need Giannis kind of going out of his way to say this sort of stuff all the time. And uh, he, well, he, well, should, he has been we, bashful. Yeah. Should, should we uh, take a step back and kind of talk about what uh, the components were uh, of what he said in this article with uh, Tiny Gagulli of the New York Times, which was more focused on kind of the evolution of his off the court life and, and foundation and investments and the way he does everything with his brothers i think what didn't surprise me in the least was him saying no i'm probably not gonna sign the three-year extension when he's eligible i believe it's uh september 22nd i want to say is when he's eligible for that and the reason for that is it just doesn't really make financial sense he still has two years left on his deal even before he can become a free agent so that would involve him opting out of the last year and then signing a three-year extension probably for the max but at this point you know john and i talked about this if he tears his acl tomorrow he'll have a four year max contract extension on the table for him even next year uh so you really would want to at his age get probably the four years and then also you can just continue to apply pressure you could continue to determine the course of your career so really and he says this in the article really that it doesn't make financial sense for him to sign so i don't take that in particular as like oh this is a big shot across the bow like he's not ever going to resign here there's another component to it that i thought was really interesting that i don't haven't heard as much of but it, it kind of dovetails with reporting from last year that the Bucks were kind of like not really a happy team and you know I thought Giannis saying things like well you know I want to know that everyone's going to like sacrifice and spend time away from their family to try to win the way I do I I thought that was kind of interesting what did you make of that yeah I mean I think the the heat loss you know kind of laid bare some of the fragility around the team uh you know I think there was some flukiness to it for sure but uh, but I think it it kind of underscored that there was a staleness with you know the relationship with Mike Budenholzer, uh, not necessarily just Giannis, but I think Giannis was was certainly part of that. Um, you know, there there was I think some some whispers early last season around you know whether guys were happy. Um, I you know I, I know Zach Lowe sort of said like eh, he didn't get the sense that that was beyond kind of normal early season kind of. You know, they they started off hot and then had you know kind of injuries and some frustrations things like that. You know Chris Middleton was was in and out of the lineup and questions around what was going on with him. Um, so I but but you know again it's like the Bucks have been kind of a a really boring team in, in that sense, right? They've been a very kind of stable locker room um, over the years and and obviously you know year five of of Bud they win fifty eight games have the top seed going into the playoffs. It felt like in a lot of ways like oh things are just sort of you know they just sort to keep on keeping on but you know these guys are humans and i i don't know how much to read into the comments that he had um you know if there was you know was there frustration around some of the circumstances of, of chris middleton and and his stop start season at the time um you know obviously drew Lo- drew holiday we'll talk about him he's struggled in the offensively for the third straight postseason pretty significantly in that first round loss he's 
due for a new contract if he opts out next summer. I mean, he he's like a year or two ago talked about how like, oh, he may just retire after his after this contract. Again, would that actually happen? I, I don't know. Um, or or do they simply, I think Bucks probably hope that they can, you know, do something similar to what happened with Chris Middleton, where, you know, he has a player option, but it actually works in their favor and he opts out and maybe he takes yeah. a, a longer deal. So I, yeah, it's it's tough to say. I mean, I think you know, we know Giannis is is very close with with some of these some of the guys, and you know the guys that Giannis likes tend to stick around on this team, right? And and Brooke Lopez sticking around, I think, is 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 no surprise for that reason. Chris coming back, no surprise for that reason. So, um, but you know, I think that I think what some of those comments to me just sort of reinforced was that the coaching change was not purely a you know, well, wow, one week went off the rails in April and you ended up losing to the Miami Heat. And and that was the reason why why a coaching change happened. I think it, you know, I think that happened for reasons that that go deeper and and far further back than than just that. So again, is there more to it? Could be. Um, you know, Giannis is never that far from his family because Thanasis is still <laughs> still on the roster and Brooke Lopez has got his brother back on the roster. So uh, you know, Bucks have at least uh tried to uh, keep family close literally on the roster with Giannis. But uh but yeah, it I don't know. Is there is there much more to that than than what meets the eye? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but you know, I think the other comment that I sort of thought coming out of this too was, you know, Giannis, as as much as he was playing through injury and, you know, we can play the what if game if, if he doesn't get hurt in the first game against the Heat. But, um, you know, game five, Giannis, 10 out of 23 from the free throw line. You know, the, I don't think you can blame that on his back. And, um, you know, I think Giannis uh, has shown that that he's he's not infallible either. Right. So I think. Um, there's things that, that he needs to improve to his game in some ways, just get back to where he was, um, in order for this team to, to contend at the highest levels. But, but obviously he's going to need help and he's going to need guys who are aging to, uh, to continue to play at a really high level as well. Yeah. And we'll get into all that for sure. I mean, I want to talk about the regular season versus what happened to the playoffs and, and what's more real. But I, I think the last component of what he talked about was basically he wants to play for 20 years and paraphrasing here feel like I'm not doing it well let me know but essentially that winning is the most important thing to him in his NBA career over basically anything and that's that hasn't necessarily been the approach that a lot of guys uh, have taken like that was uh, Damian Lillard was uh, you know you didn't think he was taking that approach until Portland basically with their actions kind of forced him to ask out uh, I would say and you know the the circumstances just weren't working there but to me he's basically saying like I want to win as many championships as I can over what he hopes will be a 20 your career and the way my analysis of that is like if that's really true i mean he's again this could just be putting pressure on the organization but you know like you noted he's not the same guy he was when he was 23 or 24 and he, he took great pains to say like he always loves the city he's given everything for the city i think that's certainly true uh, even if he asked to leave the bucks team tomorrow you can't really complain uh, as a bucks fan about what's given you but if he really thinks that his goal is to maximize the number of championships that he wants to win uh now i think he'd like to do that in milwaukee but if it becomes clear that that's not going to happen it does that makes me think that he's gone and i think given where this team is with the, how old all these guys are the financial situation all that you have to think if that's what he really thinks he will not finish his career as a milwaukee buck unless he returns at the end or something like that but like for him to continue to play his entire career with milwaukee it just doesn't if that really is his philosophy i think it's pretty unlikely he finishes his career more i think the, the one thing i would add is Giannis wants to win at all costs, but I think he also has, I think there's conditions to that. I think he wants to win in the way that he wants to win. And so yeah, I, I don't think Giannis wants to ride coattails 
uh, of another superstar yeah. to, to do that. Right. I think, I don't think yeah. he wants he, to be he leaned into that a lot after the first championship. Exactly. Yeah. Stuck it out in, in Milwaukee. Yeah. But I think, you know, at that point, there was still reason to believe that they could do it. Right. I mean, if you just if it gets to the point where it's like, hey, these guys are too old, like it's just the future here is not, you know, I mean, they lost. They, they haven't got past the second round uh, in the last four years, except for the year they won the championship. So if that continues, you have to think at some point he's going to think, all right, I get, we're, I'm going to have to do this elsewhere, particularly given the age of the roster. But I, I agree with you in the sense that he's not going to be like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, join the Steph, Steph 73 win Warriors type of thing. Yeah. And, and, and so I think. I think it's an issue. I mean, like, you know, obviously uh, it's a rabbit hole to say, like, well, where would you want to go if you ever left? Um, I don't think it's necessarily the biggest markets. I was talking to somebody else who's who's kind of closer to the team than I am. And, um, you know, he made the comment like he, he doesn't think Giannis would ever like just want to go to L.A. or New York and just try to do it under the brightest lights. Like that's not really his personality. And that also may not be consistent with you know, tr- giving himself the best possible chance to win a championship. I don't think he's going to, you know, Charlotte or Oklahoma city either, but, um, but yeah, it, it's just one of those things. I, I, I think, you know, to me, I, I've been saying this for the last you know year, right. That like, really it's, it's kind of these next couple years or bust, you know, if you're the bucks and if you win another championship this year or, or potentially the year after, then, you know, perhaps that also, that also maybe changes Giannis's calculus, I mean, who knows? Maybe he might say, if I win another championship, then I have carte blanche. I, you know, nobody's going to hate me if I <laughs> if I go someplace else after that. If I've delivered two championships, or maybe you know, at that point, he's willing to um, you know to kind of ride it out a little bit longer, even if you can tell that that the team is not going to be at the same level. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough to say. I mean, Giannis is is he's a very stubborn guy, and that he's very proud and he's very stubborn. And those manifest themselves and you know, those, those traits manifest themselves in different ways. It, it manifests in the way that he prepares and dedicates him to this game. It manifests itself, I think, in maybe his unwillingness to change in some respects, right? Like, you know, the, the he's reduced his three point attempts, but, you know, he, he still insists on shooting, you know, a couple of pull up threes per game where it's like, yeah, that's not maximizing any, any chance of, of scoring on that possession. Um, and, and he's, I think, also very proud about, you know, his role on a team and, and what it means to win a championship and the credit and his legacy, right? And so I think, I would I would put it this way, I think he's probably about maximizing his legacy more so than just kind of pure maximizing total number of championships, if that makes sense. So hmm. as you said, like winning a championship in Milwaukee is worth more than winning a championship, you know, playing with LeBron or, or Steph or something like that. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I've gotten to the point where I think odds are, I, I think he's probably more likely than not to sign some sort of extension, which doesn't preclude him from obviously leaving before that, you know, contract is done. Um, but I think it's more likely than not that he doesn't finish his, his ultimate career in Milwaukee, which, you know, at the age of 28, it's like, that's not necessarily like that shocking, right? Hopefully he'll play a long time. So, so yeah, I, I think, I think you have to be realistic, even if you have your, you know, green colored uh, glasses on if you're if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan that you know things change and and it's really hard to keep modern superstars in one place uh, forever and especially with you know we'll talk about sort of <laughs> the development pipeline in Milwaukee it's it's uh, I was gonna say pretty bleak but you know it's it's certainly not one that that stacks up favorably with you know a lot of other teams that that uh, that have more young talent and, and again that's sort of that's just the reality of of picking late in drafts and things like that but the Bucks obviously are are you know facing down the reality of of how they bridge the gap from this current version of the franchise and this current version of of a contending team to 
whatever comes after it. And obviously that's the part that probably Giannis is, is also trying to think through and does he want to sign up for that? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it's a pipeline, like what's something that's a lot smaller <laughs> diameter. Well, maybe it's a drain yeah, pipe. Yeah. Yeah. Like a drain pipe yeah. coming off your, your roof or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh it's not the, uh, <laughs> it's not a uh, trans transcontinental pipeline for sure. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so let's get into it here. And and where I want to begin, and this will probably lead us into discussing the, the coaching change as well. In your opinion, which is more a accurate representation of what the Milwaukee Bucks were last year? 58 wins in the regular season, number one seed, first round exit. Which of those two do you think is closer to the real Milwaukee Bucks and maybe kind of what you could expect from this team this season? So, I, I mean, we, we obviously, let, let me kind of caveat that I was saying, you know, their point differential was that of a 52-win team. So they out, outperformed their their point differential pretty significantly, um, winning those 58 games. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, again, like compared to the average team that loses in the first round, I think this was certainly a much better team, a much more talented team, had a much higher ceiling than, you know, a team that that goes out in the first round. So, I mean, I, I would say they're closer to, you know, a a 58-win team, or maybe not a 58-win team, but a top-seeded team, a team that was, you know, one of the favorites for, for an NBA championship. Um, obviously, we're now a year later, right? Last season was last season and and the time ticking away is, is not trivial for, for this team given uh, the age of some of the key guys that they have. Um, but I, I think they're closer to that. But, you know, as as I said, I, I think there's reason to look at the the record last year in particular and obviously sort of say, no, that, that wasn't that was a, that, there was luck in there. Right. And and that that if you, if you played that season over a few times, maybe you don't get get to that same result. Flip side is, I mean, they won 58 games with Chris Middleton, basically, you know, not starting until the very kind of last month of the season or so. Uh, if you had told me before the year that that you know Chris was was going to to miss essentially most of um, you know the first half of the season and and be fairly re- you know reduced in effectiveness when he was playing. Um, I, I never would have expected them to win 58 games. I probably would have said, man, 50 game, 50 wins probably would have been pretty good. So, um, so they outperformed in some ways due to luck in some ways, I think to their credit. Um, and so I, I think, again, I mean, I think they justifiably will be, you know, with the Celtics probably as sort of the, the safe, the safe teams to pick at the, at the top of the East this year. Uh, but it, it was definitely a weird year. And, you know, the, the Middleton injury was, was obviously part of, of, of that, uh, you know, they go own five in preseason. They have this Abu Dhabi trip, and then they come back and they go nine and zero to start the year. Javon Carter is starting, and you know that was that, that's still like you look at their their you know the, a year ago their best lineup was basically this Javon Carter, Drew 
Holiday, Grayson Allen, Giannis, and Brooke lineup that that was like plus twenty <laughs> rating, and you know obviously Devon Carter no longer with the team, and there's some questions about you know backup point guard and some of that. But um, but it was a weird year. They have this really good start, then they kind of have a bit of a funk November December, and then from really late January on when Middleton returns, they had like a twenty nine and five run to end the year, and the offense which was like twenty third I think up until Middleton kind of came back for good. You know, finished the year. They're like seventh from from basically late January through the end of the year. The defense was was top five, and I thought some of Mike Budenholzer's some of the tweaks they made defensively, helping less, really cutting down on opponent three point uh, attempts. Um, I thought was you know kind of got lost, obviously, because of the way that the season ended in the first round. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there was a lot of a lot of good from from what happened last year, and especially when you consider you know kind of overcoming. Uh, the Middleton injury um, and overcoming, you know, Giannis missing his now customary kind of, you know, 19, 20 games or whatever it was. Um, so I, again, I thought they had, you know, again, uh, I, I thought they had a really good year. I think there was, again, some luck involved with that. And I think, you know, you can look back at certain games, um, especially a couple of home games. They lost a game to Philly where they blew a huge lead in the fourth quarter. I think it was right after the all-star break. They lost, they, they completely got the doors blown off them by the Celtics in to me, what was the biggest game of the season up until that point where, you know, again, first seed kind of was on the line to to some extent. And they they said that they they were going for that number one seed. They'd wanted home court against Boston if they had to play again in, in the playoffs. And they completely laid an egg in that game. So, you know, there were some, I think, some warning sign games, but again, it's a regular season. It's long. You don't want to over-index on any one thing. But um, but yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, again, that was a very talented team last year. Giannis was really good. Had some flaws, certainly, that that hopefully he can improve on. Um, but Drew Holiday had a really good regular season. Brooke Lopez had maybe the best overall season of his career. So, uh, He's, I think, easily, easily the best overall season of his career. Yeah. I don't think there's anything even close. Yeah. So, I, again, I, really good year. And, and unfortunately, you know, as we saw in, in the playoffs, right? I mean, Giannis gets injured in the first game. And, again, like, it just looked like the last two games – Giannis returns again. How close was he to 100%? We'll never know, but he was healthy enough to play, and they had every chance to win both of those games and completely fell apart down the stretch. Which, you know, you think about how this team played in kind of clutch situations when they won a championship, you'd say, oh, well, this team's, you know, been there, done that. Like they're going to be steady, whatever it might be. Nope. <laughs> they got completely picked apart by Jimmy and the Heat. And uh, yeah. you know, just looked spooked they, offensively. They had some pretty big. They had some pretty big blown leads in the, in that Celtic series uh, too. In fourth quarters, when they had you know multiple chances, I think in Game Four and Game Six, uh, to to kind of put the Celtics away. But yeah, so I I mean, and obviously the way they lost, Butler had this out of body experience. And, <laughs> you know, so, so did a, a lot of the Heat. But uh, they moved on from Mike Budenholzer in the end. I mean, to answer my own question, I think it's this is a boring answer, but it's kind of in the middle. I I think. That the Bucks last year, and these are some of the things we can talk about going into it. Just were overall in the regular season, we're not that great. I think what was a little bit. I mean, I don't know if I want to say this is concerning because Middleton actually under the radar played really well in that Miami series, yeah. offensively at least, mm-hmm. and, and he got completely cooked defensively. Which is, <laughs> I mean, him him not being passable there would be a, kind of like a big change from where they were two years ago. Uh, and then he had the surgery uh, this off season as well on this knee that you know apparently 
apparently has been bothering him since college. And, you know, we have seen some of these guys who like don't have that much cartilage. They have the surgery and they have the surgery and they have the surgery. And then all of a sudden, you know, like Blake Griffin style, like they're kind of just done. Right. So like that's I, I'm very worried about Chris Middleton. I hope he's going to come back and be good. You know, they say he's not incredibly reliant on athleticism. Sometimes that can mean, though, that when you lose what you have, then, you know, it doesn't work for you anymore. But I think, you know, based on how he played in the playoffs last year, you got to feel pretty good. But there's, I think, definitely a concern there. And then, you know, Brooke Lopez, you mentioned he had this amazing season. It's just, especially shooting the ball, it's just hard to imagine that, I mean, now 36-year-old, he had back surgery two years ago. I mean, that was one of the most impressive. He was like my surprise player of the year, basically, for how well he played last year. And, you know, you expect that he's going to have a little bit of a regression. And uh, same thing with, with Drew, particularly, you know, I think his regular season defense hasn't been quite at the same level. And he got cooked by Jimmy last year, though Bud probably could have given him some more help. So I'm, you know, those three guys... And then we get to Giannis, who I think, you know, you've, you talked about him needing to be better. Do you want to elaborate on that a a little bit outside of the free throw component where he has kind of regressed back to uh, some of the struggles that he had earlier in his career? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting when you look at Giannis's, um, you know, sort of his arc under, under Bud, uh, he wins the MVP the first two years under Bud, 1920 is probably like the year where, you know, his his advanced metrics kind of maxed out, you know, that was the team that, that had the best, uh, you know, overall metrics too. Um, and, you know, kind of the next two years um, was, or ne- the next year, the championship year sort of like took a step back in some respects, the team wasn't as good. Um, and then they win a championship. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so you kind of like, the, I think the 21-22 season, I thought was interesting because, he attacked the rim less. He shot more mid-rangers. He got a lot better. Uh, he was over 40% sort of in floater area from mid-range. Still couldn't shoot threes, but but his free throw shooting returned back to about 72%. And so it was kind of like you had the outlines of like, okay, this is what a maturing Giannis kind of looks like, right? Where he begins to um, mature and and get, you know, a better sense of how he can use things other than just, you know, his body as a human battering ram to, to be an effective player. And I thought, I mean, he was, I thought incredible in the, the 21, 22 regular season. And then last year was so interesting because, and you know, the, the, the non rim two point shots last year, I mean, it was a, it was a disaster. I mean, he shot to give, to give people a sense of this, you know, during the playoff run to the championship, he shot 48% on non rim paint area shots, Right. I thought really showed nice touch um, or, you know, improved touch, let's call it, uh, in, in terms of getting the like hook shots and little in between shots. You know, the shot that he hit in game seven in overtime against KD, a little push shot, good touch, gets the roll um, to, to tie that game. Uh, you know, in the fourth quarter of game six of his 50 point closeout performance, he hit, you know, a few shots. So these are kind of like these in between shots. Uh, last year, through the All Star break, non rim uh, paint shots. 21% from the field. I mean, just like unconscionably bad. He was, I think, 41, 42% the year before. So literally his his shot making rate was was halved, right? Which is just kind of mind-boggling. And his his mid-range jump jump shooting, I think he was low 40s in, in the 21-22 season. It was down to like what 35% or so. And the weird part is he hurts his wrist against the Bulls right before the All-Star break. Um, people might remember he like basically played the first possession of the All-Star game, which, uh, okay, still kind of weird to, <laughs> to even bother doing that. But but he he you know, basically didn't play in the All-Star game because of it. And then he he looked way better. He, he, he was much better at all that stuff after the All-Star break, even though 
I mean, there was talk about him needing surgery to to repair the wrist issue he had. Ultimately, played through it because he's an alien and you know he has this Wolverine healing power or whatever. Um, but he was back over forty percent on sort of the the floater area stuff after the All Star break. He was back, I think, high thirties on mid range shots after the All Star break. His free throw shooting, did, you know, never really came around. Even he finished at like 64, 65% after being back at 72% um, in the 21, 22 season. And that, you know, just one of these weird things, like, you know, as much as people, uh, I think justifiably, you know, uh, have very negative feelings toward Jason Kidd, for some reason, Giannis could shoot free throws when Jason Kidd was in town. He didn't shoot threes, but he was always a good free throw shooter or an, a, a very adequate free throw shooter. And then when Bud showed up, for some reason, his free throw shooting has just been like wildly inconsistent consistent um over the past five five years or so and so last year going back down and and then ultimately you know the crescendo shooting 45 percent from the line in that abbreviated uh playoff series against the heat i, I mean if Giannis can make you know even 60 percent of his free throws they win they win game five and they have a chance um you know in that series at least but you know he didn't and and the rest is history so i think you know again we, i haven't even talked about three-point shooting you know i've i've sort of you know, let go of any delusion that Giannis is going to become, you know, a 35% free three-point shooter or something like that. I mean, if you ever got into the low 30s, great. But, um, you know, again, I think that shot to me is is at this point more of just like a, a vanity thing he does because uh, he wants to feel like he can at least sort of do that. Uh, but if he can get back to where he was in 21-22 from the mid-range, getting back to to a level of comfort there, I mean, just some of like the jump hooks and stuff last year, was just, I mean, just, you know, throwing it off the backboard and just, just there was just no softness to, to, to his touch when he wasn't attacking the rim. And again, he's so skilled attacking the rim, left hand, right hand. Um, I think people just sort of gloss over that, you know, the, the people that just sort of kind of yeah. pigeonhole him as a dunker I mean, but the, the thing is against the best defenses like that's just not available often enough for him to be efficient like you like the best defenses aren't just going to give you that every single time even though he was he hit the rim even more than he ever has before uh this is he reduced it where he was taking his shots from in terms of distance immensely last season even as he upped his usage by a ton but just against playoff defense especially the miami heat in particular there's not gonna let you do that so often unless it's in transition so you gotta have, be able to hit hook shots hit some mid-rangers enough to keep the defense honest and when he was at his best you know 21 22 i thought he was the best player in basketball i thought he really slipped significantly we haven't even talked about the other end yet but it's just it's so important especially for this team that doesn't really have a create another great creator and pick and roll you know middleton could be that sometimes holiday could be that sometimes but they don't have like that every down guy and so like he just he's got to get back to that like he has to get better if he doesn't do that like he won't be a top three player i don't think like he particularly as his athleticism is going to start to decline here in his late 20s and, and that's the remarkable part right? is that like despite all the nasty stuff we just we just said about you know everything that happened outside of of the rim area i mean he averages 31 points a game career high he you know more pressure on him to score than ever before uh, averages, you know, per 36, 14 free throw attempts, 13, I think 12, I think it was at 12.7 per game or something like that, you know, just got to line an absolute ton. Some of that obviously also because people thought like, Hey, let's make him shoot free throws. Um, but as you said, I mean, you know, he really attacked the rim and, and I don't know, I think we just become numb to it. You know, like, I mean, obviously I watch every game, um, as fans, you know, even hardcore fans, right? Like you, you've seen Giannis do this so much. I mean, I was just watching some some clips of him this summer and it's just like, man, you just got to take a step back. And it's like, obviously he can't, 
he can't weave through defenses or, you know, just sort of barricade, you know, barrel into the rim and, and get dunks forever. Um, but I mean, what he's able to do at his size, the ball handling, I, I feel like nobody ever talks about his ball handling as a seven footer and, and how like completely, you know, aberrant that is in the history of the sport that he's able to to dribble and attack and, and get to the rim as much as he does. And, and then finish with, with both hands and, you know, just the, the physicality combined with some of those, those, those skill, um, that, that skill level that he does have um, is is really incredible. And and that's how you average, you know, 31 points a game on 60% true shooting, despite the fact that you can't make a shot outside the you know, outside of the restricted area and, and you're struggling from the free throw line, right? It's just because he is so singularly capable of, of just creating these, these opportunities for himself out of nothing. So I, it will definitely be interesting to see. I mean, this this leads into the coaching discussion as well. Like, like what has Adrian Griffin talked to Giannis about in terms of shot selection and the way they want to use him? I think that's a fascinating subplot heading into the training camp. You know, if this is if this is Giannis's handpicked coach, um, what did they talk about? You know, when they had their their interview prior to Adrian Griffin being hired, and and obviously Terry Stotts is is also a very important part of that conversation, given that he's come back from. Uh, you know, sort of a a, a brief uh retirement after after the uh you know losing losing his the head job in in Portland. So um, is he bringing Michael is he bringing Michael Red with him? Uh, <laughs> Dan Gadzarich, who who else was on those teams? Well, I I, I think he, did he did he get did he get Zaza Pachulia before Zaza uh, left? You know, there was that brief magical period when they had both Zaza and, and Dan Gadzarich. There was some there were some some spirited debates on real GM. Nate about uh about Zaza Pachulia versus Kudan Godzarich, but we'll we'll leave those to uh to the to to history. But uh but yeah, interesting certainly for him to come back. And Joe Prenti also basically anybody who's been a coach in Milwaukee uh coming back here as assistant coaches this year. Uh so we'll, we'll be an interesting dynamic here with the assistants for sure. And obviously they're they're gonna be more important in a situation like this with with a new head coach that doesn't have any any head coaching experience at any level. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, so let's talk about it here. I I do think, given Griffin's personality, as a first-time head coach, like, yeah, but it seems like Giannis was pretty pleased with him. We'll never know, I think, the truth of Nick Nurse and his candidacy there. And, you know, did he just, would, is that who management wanted? And then Giannis said no, or or is it, you know, just that uh, Nick Nurse was trying to sort of, you know, same thing as with Phoenix. Oh, I'm withdrawing from considering, you know, and he ends up in Philly. You know, who knows how much of that has been. You, you always hear this stuff with coaches. But Adrian Griffin is there now. And, you know, who knows whether Nick Nurse would have rather had this job or the Philly job. Um, 
so Adrian Griffin, obviously, you know, I, I think he's going to come in and just given the type of personality that he is. And I don't think first time head coaches, like he does have a new contract. I think he's going to come in and try to like be pretty aggressive and hold guys accountable and do it his way. Uh, but what changes, at least so far, I'm sure he had his introductory presser. Of course, we haven't gotten to training camp yet to really see. But what changes do you expect him to implement this season? Yeah, so I mean, I think certainly looking at his history in Toronto is obviously instructive. I think uh, at the introductory press presser, you know, he, obviously you, you can only take these for for so much uh, at an introductory presser, right? Like every every coach at their press conference wants to get out and run and you know play hard and hold people accountable, right? But uh, but certainly some of the things that he hit on was was rebounding, offensive rebounding, and defensive rebounding. Uh, this team did put more of an emphasis on offensive rebounding. Um, last year it was it was a pretty important part of their championship run as well, using their size to try to create second chance opportunities, especially when that that half court offense kind of ground to a halt. Um, so he talked a bit about that. Uh, and and then defensively, I think the big change that I would expect is I think they will be more aggressive defensively. Um, you know, you look at their four factors, right? Terrific effective field goal percentage, terrific foul rate, you know, always one of the best teams in the league and not fouling. Um, and always one of the best teams in the league in terms of defensive rebounding. The one area where they were, I think, dead last last year was forcing turnovers. That was never a priority under Bud with that kind of drop scheme. And, you know, especially last year, helping less in general. Um, they reduced their opponent three-point rate pretty significantly, uh, but they didn't force any turnovers at all. And they went, they I think, you know, by by cleaning the glasses, uh, points added per 100 possessions in transition. They went, you know, they, they used to be a, at least an above average transition team. Last year, by that metric, they were 29th. Um, so I think that's something that that he's talked about is is trying to use pressure force turnovers and create some easy baskets, which obviously was important for the Raptors the past couple of years, given so, their own so issues. Can, so can I, can I interrupt you? Yep. Who's good. Who's going to do that? on this team? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We, we talked a bit about Giannis. I think you look at Giannis's like stock rates, right? Like his blocks and steals uh, last year. Um, I think partly, partly probably in, in due to the fact that they were helping Brooke Lopez less Partly, I think, due to the fact that he was just carrying a, a pretty heavy burden offensively. He just didn't, you know, he didn't do a whole lot. If you look at some of the, you know, again, yeah. blocks and steals aren't the be all end all by any stretch uh, of what someone does defensively, but his block and steal rates were very low, right? Especially dropping off relative to the year before when he played a lot of center. And, and I just, I just didn't feel him as much on, on a night to night basis. I mean, especially if you compare what he was doing, like in that Celtic series, I think people kind of forget that like there were games in that Celtic series where even when Brooke Lopez was out of the game, like they were just utterly terrified to attempt anything at the rim. Like you didn't, you know, Brooke Lopez was great last year and he was a huge component of what they're doing, but you didn't feel that as much when it was, you know, Giannis and Portis together or, or, or something like that. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's, but with, I think as you're starting to get to, like having maybe a Giannis and a Brook Lopez behind you lets you pressure a little bit more potentially. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I think, I would think, you know, if you're like a, this is obviously not a, a fantasy basketball podcast, but, you know, I, I would expect Giannis's block and steal numbers to get a bit of a bump this year. Um, obviously some of that comes by, by what he can do as, as sort of that, that roving, you know, kind of chaos uh, agent that, that he has typically been in. I, I'm also fascinated to see, does he try to put Giannis more on the ball, which historically he has not done, right? That was a, a major kind of thing that, that Bud always did was trying to keep Giannis 
out of kind of those primary defensive responsibilities, uh, you know, famously against Jimmy Butler last year, Giannis obviously did not get a lot of reps against him. First time they played the heat and lost in the bubble, uh, you know, famously Giannis was like, well, they didn't ask me to do that. So that's why I'm not doing that. But then he actually did it a lot more when the Bucks swept the, the heat uh, in the, the championship year. So I'm curious. I mean, there, there, I mean, there's limitations to how much Giannis can do as far as defending smaller guys because you put him in a pick and roll, he can't get over screens well. He's just too big. But um, I am interested to see how much Adrian Griffin, you know, does look to use him more as a you know kind of stopper type guy. And again, not necessarily from opening tip, but situationally, does he say Giannis? I need you to kind of pick up the challenge here and, and I want you to go, you know, defend Jimmy Butler. And okay, maybe if you have to go under a screen, fine. But um, but I, I am very curious to see how he does that. Uh, and then, but but otherwise, as far as like, you know, how do you create turnovers? It's a fair question, right? I mean, Drew Holiday historically is a guy that obviously has great hands, um, can create steals, things like that. Other guys maybe doesn't come quite so naturally to it. You know, you're not going to turn Brook Lopez into uh, a steals guy. But as far as everybody else, as you said, um, I would not be surprised at all if if part of the thesis of of what Griffin tries to do is say, go for more stuff, be more aggressive, pressure them. And if it turns into, you know, odd man situations against Giannis and Brooke, well, we can live with that to an extent. And, you know, the trade-off is going to be that all those improvements they made last year in terms of uh, three-point attempts by by opponents that may go out the window. We saw the the Raptors gave up tons of corner threes. The Bucks gave up the fewest in the league last year. So I think that's a stat I'm going to be really curious to watch. But um, but anyway, I, I think they'll definitely try to be more aggressive. I think they're going to try to dictate more defensively. You know, kind of be a bit more of the aggressor, as as you put it. Um, but again, does that translate to a better defense? I don't know if it's going to, you know, it's hard probably for them to be a lot better regular season wise defensively, but I think for them, it's really about like having more pitches for the, for the postseason. And, you know, I, I think drop is always going to have to be part of what they do. So long as they have Brooke, it'd be silly not to have, you know, a, a defense that is kind of drop centric with Brooke, but again, maybe he plays up closer to the screen at times. Um, and then most importantly, what do they do when Brooke is on the bench? Right. I mean, Brooke played over 30 minutes a game last year, which is the most he'd played in years, certainly the most he'd played in Milwaukee. I would think that they'll probably try to reduce that a little bit. And so I think the question becomes, you know, all right, what 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 happens when he's not on the floor? They still have Bobby Portis for now. Um, they re, re-signed Jay Crowder, right? Do we see some smaller lineups with Giannis at center and Jay Crowder at the four? We know Giannis doesn't love playing center, so I don't think that's going to be like a huge, huge thing. But I think situationally, they have to, you know, if you're going to fully weaponize Giannis as a defender, I think you're going to have to have those those lineups where he is the biggest player on the floor and he is the last line of defense. And again, we saw obviously look when they won a championship, right? Brooke, I don't know how many games Brooke finished in that series, but, you know, for the most part, it was Giannis closing those close games. Yeah, at the center position. Yeah, so as we go through this this group, they lost a few guys: Javon Carter, Wes Matthews. Uh, starters probably Holiday, Grayson, Middleton, Giannis, Lopez. You think? Yeah, I mean, as always, the the fifth starter spot that you know Grayson Allen the last two years. That's going to be the big question. Uh, I think Mike Budenholzer was very comfortable with Grayson Allen and kind of the way he complemented the starting group. Um, I think Grayson is probably the most well-rounded of, you know, between like him and Malik Beasley, I think he's you know, more well-rounded than Malik Beasley is, but um, I, I don't know. It's interesting. You know, Pat Connaughton had, had injuries start last year, kind of just never got that season on track. 
Um, you know, he's always every year he's really good in the playoffs for them. Always, you know, shoots the hell out of the ball in the playoffs. Um, he's probably the guy I trust the most when it comes to kind of like clutch situations as a fifth guy. But the the stat that kind of was a little crazy to me, and some of this is injuries. But I mean, Pat Connaughton has played 25 total possessions with those other four guys the last two years total between regular season and playoffs, which kind of blew my mind. Um, I always just sort of wonder, like, is Pat Connaughton just like the obvious fifth starter, like just staring at you? Or, you know, again, is it better to to save him to be more of the the kind of backup to uh, to Chris Middleton? But I mean, again, with a new coach, maybe you see a different philosophy around that. And then obviously you have, you know, Marjan Bochamp. They drafted Andre Jackson Jr., who, you know, I'm probably not as high on as as some people. Um, I think Bochamp will, will at least get some opportunities. But but again, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, a new head coach. Again, we'll see kind of what he uh, wants to prioritize, but there's a whole bunch of guys sort of in that two, three mix. And, um, you know, depending on what the philosophy is with the starters, you know, is it a kind of starter like the Keith Bogan starter or something like that? I don't know. Um, And obviously the other question too is just, you know, if they want to make a trade to address some of uh, the uh, lack of depth they have in the playmaking department, the backup point guard department, well then presumably, you know, Grayson Allen, potentially both Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton or Grayson Allen and, and uh, Bobby Portis, like, you know, you, you may end up seeing some some movement in terms, in terms of some of those guys that have been, you know, kind of key parts of the rotation the last two years. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, probably, I mean, again, until now, like lightly pencil in Grayson Allen until further notice. But, but I think, again, that that is a big question mark is who is the buck starter on opening night? And again, if I, I don't know that there's anybody you feel great about uh, going into the playoffs as the fifth starter. And so I think that'll, that'll be something I'm sure that, that John horse is going to have to watch all season long is just, you know, okay, you can start the season, maybe have a very good regular season playing these guys. But, but again, do you feel comfortable with, with this group going into the playoffs? I think there's certainly some work to be done there. What do you think is more important in that fifth spot? And, you know, both as a starter, but also just in, in some of their best lineups and, and maybe just in general, too. If you consider that the core is you're going to have Giannis and Lopez out there a lot of the time. But is it more important to have shooting or is it more important to have individual? Um, I mean, I think the, the good news is like all the guys, you know, whether it's, you know, you look at the vets, Connaughton, Beasley, Grayson Allen. I mean, they can all shoot pretty well, obviously, to varying extents. You know, Beasley's just gets up, you know, crazy volume. Um, you know, he's in that, you know, basically the Steph Lillard just in terms of three point shots per per minute that he's able to get up. Not that he's in that class in terms of overall shooting, but um, but I think they all can shoot a bit. Um, I I think, you know, my, my view is always as well as like, you know, looking at these guys from an offensive standpoint, I mean, nobody's going to shoot a lot when you're playing with those four starters. So I always sort of think of it as, okay, well, let's, let's think about closing lineups. Let's think about the playoffs. You know, what do you value there? And and so then I think immediately you start to think more about, you know, defensive vulnerabilities and, and trying to figure out like, how do you make sure that you don't have a guy that, you know, you can't paper over defensive shortcomings and, and, and figure out a way to, to kind of do that. And, you know, I give Grayson Allen credit. I think his regular season defense was was really solid, especially last year. Um, you know, I think he he doesn't. And again, out of that group, he may have like the most well rounded game. I think, but I think Connaughton to me plays a little bit bigger than Grayson Allen. Again, not that you want you know Pat Connaughton being like the guy that has to defend <laughs> Jason Tatum or something like that. But um, but I think again, finding guys who are a little bit more switchable, which I think switchability is going to be of bigger importance. Um, with with Adrian Griffin than than maybe in previous years, uh, even if you have Brooke Brooke out there, you're not switching Brooke. But having a bit more one through four switchability, I think, is important. So so that's kind of where I always default is is 
having someone that I think defensively is a bit sturdier. And then, you know, again, I, I do always though have this nagging concern from a playmaking standpoint. You know, a, a lot of Bucks fans, there's a lot of discussion after the the latest sort of playoff flame out. Like, do you want another point guard next to Drew Holiday? Like, is Drew Holiday really, you know, the guy that you want having to play full-time point guard? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think his his playmaking skill, I, I think sometimes gets a little underrated in, in some of those discussions. I'm I'm more concerned about just the fact that his his shooting has just gone off the rails in the playoffs each of the three years that that he's been in Milwaukee. Yeah. So it's it's a good question. I mean, I think I think it's an interesting question, especially last year with the way that Javon Carter they were so effective with Carter being just the annoying, you know, pressure the the opposing ball handler type and get over screens guy, even though Carter couldn't play make at all and was really just a spot up shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Javon Carter trying to bring the ball up against Javon Carter would have been uh, (laughs) you just uh, all you got to do is just uh, watch one side of your TV for that. (laughs) Ball wouldn't get past half court. It'd be very, very convenient. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to miss him. I mean, he started a bunch of games for them, shot 40% from three. And you know, once again, he was minimized in the playoffs, I thought, uh, to their detriment for the second consecutive year. Uh, as we round out the rotation, then yeah, you note there isn't really an established backup point guard. You know, you've got Lindell Wigginton on a two-way. Andre Jackson has like some ball handling and passing skills, but some of these other limitations. Uh, and yeah, they're really is not you know, AJ Green is really maybe like a Grayson Allen light type of guy. I'm not as familiar with this game, so if you feel differently, feel free to correct me. But uh, yeah, they don't really have a traditional backup point guard. But they've rarely. I mean, who is the traditional backup point guard been other than you know the Goran Dragic era? Uh, they haven't really. Or, or Joe Ingles would have been the other guy who they also let go, uh, although he signed for more than the Bucks could have paid him unless they had wanted to go for a second year. But yeah, so it seems like Holiday, Allen, Middleton, Giannis, Lopez, then Portis, Crowder. Connaughton, probably Malik Beasley because they just need one more guard. Uh, and then eh, who do you think has the best chance of emerging after that? Yeah, I mean, so the guy that I'm 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 really interested, like what his role is gonna be is Jay Crowder. Um, you know, they they gave up five picks for him last year. Uh, and you know, I think a lot of Bucks fans are like, well, second round picks, whatever, like, you know, they're not worth that much. It's like, well. Five second round picks can get you some stuff, you know, especially if you're using on a guy that basically no shows in the playoffs and then, you know, c- could have left. Right. And the fact that he resigned on a minimum deal, I thought was was very interesting. I think he from what I understood, I think he's trying to he kind of spent part of the summer, I think, trying to get a little leaner. Um, so that maybe he would be better able to to defend down. I think, you know, again, we haven't really seen him defend wings in a while, right? I mean, he was pretty much just yeah. a small ball four in Phoenix, and that was a really good role for him. But when you have Giannis as the starting power forward on your team, um, that means that you got to be able to probably do something else if you're going to want to play, you know, more than than kind of just spot minutes. So I'm really curious if if Crowder has a really defined role on this team. Um, you know, you, you have Bobby Portis who can kind of swing between kind of the four and five can play with either Brooke or, or Giannis to varying extents. Um, I, so, so kind of what Jay Crowder's role is, I think, you know, I, I think I heard John Horst use the phrase big wing to describe him again this summer. I, again, I have hesitations. Like, I mean, is, is he actually defending, you know, can he defend again? Like, like, and, and I don't think he's going to defend Jason Tatum well, but like, can he do anything against Jason Tatum? We are. He didn't have any luck against Jimmy Butler in the short number of reps he had. Um, so again, like, is he really just a, a small ball four who's going to get minimal minutes? Um, 
if that's him, then then obviously there isn't much of a role for him here. Uh, but I think the front office thought he could do more, and we'll see. I mean, if he can give them some some minutes at the three, at least during the regular season, that that would at least be be useful. And I mean, the funny part is, like, as much as he the playoffs obviously kind of like wrote the book on him in terms of the way people will think about his time in Milwaukee so far. I mean, he shot the ball really well in the limited minutes he had last year, right? I mean, all his per minute numbers, his efficiency numbers were actually like as good or better than they were the prior year or two in Phoenix. So, I mean, again, I think some of that was probably just outlier shooting. He shot like 44% from three, but you know, he wasn't, he wasn't bad in the, in the short amount of regular season minutes he played, but then obviously he just did not look physically able to compete at the level he needed to in in the playoffs. And I think, you know, some of that's because he didn't play basketball for most of the year. He's a four in my (laughs) opinion. And, and that's, that's on the offensive end, maybe even more than the defensive end. You know, I think maybe he can hold up with, with Brooke and Giannis behind him, but if they're going to reduce Brooks minutes, one way to do that is more Giannis at center. And maybe they could even try to get away with Portis and Crowder together on the second unit. Although that's a very, light on the rim protection at, at that point so but, but yeah i mean they definitely need to get something for him I mean, now you might say okay well then Connaughton can be in that position but they kind of need him to move down the positional spectrum also because they don't really have a, as many guards so as as much as i wasn't as high on some of their depth coming into last year like joe ingles gave them a lot more than i expected in the regular season carter was good again like those guys i think they're gonna miss uh and, and even Wes Matthews was someone who played quite a bit. He might have been their best Jimmy Butler defender, hilariously, uh, in the playoffs, even at his age. So, yeah, they, they are going to be a little bit thin. They do have some assets that they can use to maybe go and get another piece in terms of first round. Uh, they have at least uh, one first round pick and a couple of swaps they could use to maybe try to go get somebody. But that's a, a maybe limited utility. Um, let's get into kind of the overall predictions here. Any big strengths or weaknesses? Uh, we haven't talked about yet for these guys no i mean i think as far as strengths go i mean i think you know you always start with the defense with this team i mean the rim protection and sort of the the base defense which you know again i i expect that that adrian griffin will will change some things up but you know i think job one sort of is like don't don't screw up what what actually like has worked pretty well and and again we saw limitations to that in in the heat series to an extent um but i think defense will kind of be always where where it starts and then you know i think it Offensively, it's interesting. I mean, they've historically been a very good regular season offense. And then last year with with Chris basically not playing, you know, any any or, or not being effective through the first few months of the season, we really saw the stress and strain that 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 put on them. Um, but I think the theory of the offense when healthy is still makes a lot of sense, right? You're still Giannis plus a lot of guys who who can space the floor. Um, you know, Chris, Chris and Drew, obviously, that again, they they are not like elite playmakers, but um, I think Middleton in particular, relative to his position, um, you know, is a very valuable and and malleable sort of playmaker um, and and has a really good understanding with Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez. Um, I, I definitely agree. I, mean, I think they're going to miss Joe Ingles playmaking. Um, you know, you look at like Brooke Lopez's numbers in the kind of post all-star break when both, uh, both uh, Ingles and Chris Middleton were healthy. I mean, he was like 19 per game on like 68% true shooting or something insane. <laughs> So I think that's where there's going to be some Brooke Lopez 
uh, regression, probably just the fact that he doesn't have Joe Ingles out there. They had awesome chemistry together, running pick and roll together. Um, but I think even even absent that, you know, I think there's there's the kind of the the core of 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 a very good at least regular season offense. And as always, the question will be, you know, can they kind of get out of their own way uh, in the playoffs? Can they hit enough threes in the playoffs? And you know, Giannis, can he make free throws? Can he make those in between shots and, and kind of do some of that stuff? And um, so yeah, I think those are the kind of core strengths. And also, I mean, I kind of wonder just from like a motivation standpoint. Um, you know, I thought last year one of the reasons that they came out and won so many regular season games was because they were kind of pissed off that they lost in the second round without home court to to the Celtics. Some of that self-inflicted. Um, and uh, and they wanted to get the one seed and they wanted to kind of like, you know, sort of show that, hey, we, you know, we didn't win the title last year, but we're we're, we're kind of out here to, to do it again. Obviously did not expect that type of regular season to then translate into kind of falling on their faces uh, in the playoffs the way they did. But, you know, again, as we've talked about, there there was some luck in the regular season, and um, and again, we'll see we'll see to what extent that some of that goes goes back to uh, kind of reverts to to the mean this year. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there's still kind of the the core of of uh, a championship team in here. And again, at some point, guys are going to drop off, and and you're not going to be that anymore. But I think this year they they still have a justifiable claim on you know being one of those those top tier title contenders. So another strength actually just getting up threes. You know, mm-hmm. they were fourth in three point attempt rate. A season ago and actually made uh their 10th in three-point percentage now losing ingles does not help there. losing carter it probably doesn't help there there are a few guys that maybe like brooke lopez in particular i think shot uh, above expectations if Giannis starts shooting more that uh, percentage will certainly go down uh but yeah i mean it'd be interesting to see if they continue to get uh, as many threes up as they have uh a big weakness that Giannis papers over is getting to the foul line mm-hmm. they were bottom five in getting to the foul line last year even with the insane rate that Giannis did now having a full season of Middleton will help there maybe a little bit uh because you know he'll he'll get a few bullshit fouls uh, on the perimeter <laughs> on guys reaching in and uh, I knew you were going to say that I knew you were going to say that Nate yeah. you don't you're not a fan of Chris Mitchell Middleton's foul merchant uh uh business but you know so it goes uh yeah well i mean it's uh there are plenty of guys who do it he's, he's not the only one although he seems to have an incredible voodoo over the refs where they they always seem to call it a shooting foul for him where like everyone else like he just goes back in time to 2017 back when that was a shooting foul and now uh the referees still think it's 2017 with him uh so but yeah that that's still a problem i mean drew for all of like his powerful game just never has never really mastered like the dark arts of getting the line even though he's uh, incredibly strong and and, you know, again, then getting to the basket as well, uh, other than Giannis, you know, there's not really anyone who, who does that pick and roll play. You know, we've, it's a lot of the same things that we've talked about over the years uh, there. And then I think the biggest thing is age. You know, that's like, who do you expect on this team to be better than they were last year outside of Middleton, who's maybe kind of in his own category? I mean, Honestly, the, the, you know, we, we in the outline were under this section. I, the first thing I had was was Giannis uh, from floater area and mid range in the foul line question mark. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I think Giannis, um, you know, I, I mean, it's it's weird, right? I always like again, sort of hesitate to 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 get too negative about Giannis when he's still just so incredibly dominant, and you know, like the numbers last year were were once again absurd. But but on the margins, as we talked about, I think. You know, he, he can't get a whole lot worse in theory, hopefully, knock on wood, um, than he was last year in, in terms of, um, you know, shooting the ball from from kind of the mid range and, and you know, those hook shots and, and the foul line. 
um again it's it's just been a weird kind of story for him right like you occasionally see it like i always think of like iguodala like guys that used to be good free throw shooters and just sort of like for some reason like can't shoot free throws when they get older uh but Giannis, i mean yeah that, he, that happened to uh bill cartwright too uh i i know it's, uh, we, we we after this pod we should reminisce about the, the bulls running the first play for bill cartwright every game uh during the early 90s you know just just to get yeah, well and then and then that begat doing it for like ben wallace ben wallace yeah perkins <laughs> as well oh my god yeah that was just I mean, bill Cartwright actually was a guy who once scored 20 points a game in the league like he's he uh like a, a real player but he yeah that sort of led to like every team doing that oh like yeah gotta get the guy engaged just like oh my god this is just a, like somebody is turning this game on and watching the first possession and trying to decide whether they actually like l- want to watch this basketball game like just don't do it for god's sake yeah um but anyway so yeah so i I think Giannis, uh you know it's ironic to say Giannis is going to get better i think it's more about Giannis, kind of just you know hopefully some of this regression um reverts back to the mean with him um i I mean i think in terms of like who's gonna get better right i mean they have this weird i mean they have a gap in the roster right in terms of like the age and and from a developmental perspective uh you know i it's obviously a, a a big year for marjan bochamp to try to make a jump i think he showed some flashes of of competence certainly last year but that was really in the first half of the year especially when Middleton was hurt and once they got healthy with Middleton and Ingles around um you know there was there was never really going to be a, a whole lot of opportunity for him and um you know again like his his summer league I thought was you know his first two games he scores 20 plus his third game he goes scoreless fourth game he looks like you know man she would we had to send him home <laughs> early and and uh and not been around to see this but uh, I don't know. He he obviously is is pretty important just in terms of uh, they have very little else in terms of the, the, their developmental pipeline. Um, well, I think it'll get and athleticism too. That's yeah. probably something that we should have talked about as a weakness. As a weakness is outside of Giannis, they really don't have anyone who's you know. I would look at. I mean, Drew is kind of a, in a different category, but he's not like a great like jump athlete at this point. So yeah, I mean, I think they are kind of under athletic, a little slow. Uh, so Beauchamp emerged. I mean, he's not an unbelievable athlete, but he's good one. Yeah. So like that. Yeah, that does he does stand out when he's out there. Even if I still think that he's uh you know has a lot of stuff to work on and maybe isn't quite what he was advertised to be as a defender quite yet yeah and you you pointed it out i mean uh in in your your summer league kind of review right i mean he he basically didn't get like any steals or blocks this summer league um that was something that he was supposed to be you know kind of playing in the g league right he was sort of a defensive playmaker um with blocks and seals and kind of just doing stuff um we you know haven't obviously seen him a whole lot in you know period uh but i am curious right like does he have kind of the basketball iq defensive awareness to to kind of weaponize some of those physical tools in a way that that could actually earn him minutes this coming season um but again like i i think the the athleticism on both ends but in particular you know i think just somebody that can get out on the floor and, and run a little bit you know when when he got out on the floor last year i think Giannis Giannis really looked for him um when he was on the floor you could tell Giannis wanted to get him engaged and, and some of it's just because you know he can actually get up and down the floor a little bit um so Again, interesting for him. I mean, the, I think the main thing, obviously, with him is can he can he defend without fouling and and can he hit open threes? He hit some threes last year, but ironically, he was like worse at like wide open three, wide open threes than he was uh, on covered threes. I think he was one of the worst in the league, like thirty percent or something on wide open threes. He's obviously going to get those uh, at a decent clip. So for him, it's just you know, can he hit some of those, and then um, you know, does that then open up more opportunity for him to to kind of get out and and use some of the athleticism to uh to to again be be a bit of a shot in the arm right because if if it's not him 
you know, Andre Jackson has definitely some athletic juice, but um, he's a just he's a total weirdo, just one of the weirdest players probably in this year's draft. Uh, doesn't score at all, can't shoot, but also just doesn't score. Um, and and even though he can dribble and is athletic, like he just doesn't seem to be able to turn that into uh, to uh, to baskets. So um, I don't know. I could see Andre Jackson getting an opportunity, given that uh, Adrian Griffin was kind of part of the decision to draft him, and he he definitely has some sort of defensive energy that that he can bring, and and uh, you know is a pretty heady player, and you know, obviously winning a national championship last year. You hope that maybe some of that um, some of that winning. Uh, you know, kind of intangible stuff may carry over, but, but we'll see. So I, I think those guys, like there's, there's room for one of them to maybe, you know, get some opportunities, but um, you know, again, some of this is also probably going to be dictated by, you know, do they make a trade that, that clears out some of the, the, the kind of shooting slash small forward numbers. And and again, is that to, to bring in a, uh, you know, a more of a ball handler type guy? We'll, we'll see. Bucks fans loved talking and thinking about Colin Sexton all summer. That, that was like, became the like, you know, random trade that, that hasn't materialized and hasn't even really been kind of substantiated, but, but he's, he's the guy that people have been talking about as like, maybe, maybe that's a guy that you could add yeah. to, to give some ball handling. But... A good fit there, actually. I, I mm-hmm. think like that, they do need it would be nice for them to have like a microwave scorer who could come in and just you know heat up a game where things are stagnant but yeah i mean that that is kind of a little bit of a weakness for them reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You uh, you ready for predictions here? Sure. All right. Uh, so a season ago, you predicted 52 wins. I predicted 52. I then edited it to 51 uh, once we knew that Middleton was going to miss the start of the year and Connaughton had that calf injury. And as you noted, they had the point differential of a 52-win team. So that means we were right, right? <laughs> you know, That's how this works? we have a, we you know, Nate... Uh, you have a long history of having Bucks realists on your podcast for these. Jeremy Schmidt long ago, uh, before me. I, I think I don't. You know, we may like the Bucks, but I, I don't think we we are overly rosy with our our prognostications. So, uh, yeah, we I was under, and uh, I don't know. I I, I feel like I, I shouldn't take pride in being under on the team that I. <laughs> That I cover, but uh, at least I'm not being too much of a homer, and I don't I don't think I'm being too much of a homer this year. Um, but I I uh, I'm gonna go 53 wins this year. Um, I I think is that slight under? What line do you have for the Bucks? I, I don't year? know. I actually I actually don't want to know what it is. Okay, right so we, I haven't done that pod yet. Okay, I, I made that mistake uh, earlier uh, with Brad on the uh, on the Hawks, and then I started doing the analysis. I'm like, wait, no, just save, save for the, <laughs> the podcast stop. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't. I don't know it either off offhand. Um, but I will. I'll say fifty three wins. Um, and I again, I think the thesis there would be 
Uh, Chris Middleton is is playing knock on wood most of the season rather than you know missing 50 games. Uh, and obviously, we always do this assuming relatively good health. So uh, obviously, there's you know there's upside to be better if if uh, if the coaching change maybe kind of reinvigorates some things and and gets the juices flowing with this team perhaps. But um, you know they're going to be I think a very good regular season team. I think there's some downside given the unknown of the new coach. But um, but you know I think again. The fundamentals would, to me, suggest a, a low fifties uh, team, which you know nowadays that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I I would think I'm going to go fifty two, and it was difficult for me because of some of the things that we talked about. I, I mean, Bud system was bulletproof in the regular season, just a great way, automatic fifty wins every season, and I think it was particularly useful like when guys were out. So we don't know what uh, whether Adrian Griffin is going to have that kind of regular season magic. I I'm going to kind of look. At as a neutral maybe a slight negative in the regular season particularly if there's an impetus to kind of try things out invigorate a, a veteran team maybe try to find some other contributors down the roster establish more defensive versatility as well or maybe if he tries to just make this toronto again and they don't have the personnel i mean it's really it's hard for me to believe that anyone could be an upgrade on bud as a regular season coach so i i view that as like kind of a slight negative from last mm-hmm. year yeah. Middleton probably going to get more from him this year, though I do have concern. But then everyone else to me is a severe regression candidate, starting with Brooke Lopez, who had, I think, his best defensive and certainly his best offensive season as a buck. And you know, I think some of the shooting that they had last year, percentage wise, Lopez 37% on high volume for a center. I could see that regressing. He just hasn't necessarily been at that level. Giannis coming off the surgery, you know, again, I don't know if he's going to play more games. Can he? Like you talk about regression to the mean with this shooting, and I hope that you are correct, but I'm not sure what the mean is. <laughs> Was last year yeah. regression to the mean? Whereas, because really the one season overall, I think was 21 22. He in the 21 playoffs, he was able to take his momentum that he had as a, a short range but not at rim shooter into the regular season, and then you know just lost that almost completely last year, as you noted. He came on at least a little bit but now he's coming off the surgery probably not really able to train a, a ton this off season so he's gonna be it's hard and could he is he gonna get better defensively you know you noted you think his his stocks will get better i thought he slipped some you know maybe part of that was just he was dealing with this knee issue that eventually required surgery when did that really become an issue for him so i i mean i think ultimately i end up at but you know if he doesn't take those steps forward like this will be his age 29 season like guys aren't as athletic at 29 as they were at 26 27 is probably the peak of his powers so yeah i I think i kind of see that as relatively neutral as well i mean i think maybe he could be a little bit more efficient just because he doesn't have like that crazy 38.8 percent usage type of role but yeah and then they lost some of the the depth that uh, made them pretty good last year as well so i yeah i think i end up kind of about where they were uh with 52 wins again noting that that was their point differential a season ago but i I don't think we're too different i kind of wanted to take everyone through my process there though because it's I, I almost feel as though I'm giving them a little bit too much credit but maybe just Middleton being back is gonna uh, supersede all of that 
because I, I'm just like, hey, these are the Bucs. They're really going to win fewer than 52 games. But as I go through, I'm like, they got a lot of regression candidates here. Like, But I think I, I'm counting on the old Lions to hold on for at least one more year, I, I would say, even though I, I'm guessing that I'm probably under uh, on what it is. Um, and I guess I will find that out when I actually look it up. Um, quickly, let's talk uh, playoffs. I think they really benefit from some of the changes in the East. Philly is a mess right now. Now, if Miami gets Lillard, that's going to be pretty scary for the Bucks, but he's not there right now, at least. I think Boston has made it maybe easier for themselves offensively against Milwaukee, but probably like they have one guy in the team now who can guard Giannis. So that's a concern for Boston. I, I kind of like Milwaukee's matchup in that specific one, maybe a little bit better. So, and, and you know, Brooklyn, of course, has fallen off. Katie's in the West now. There isn't that obvious team that's going to come up and replace him. So conference disparity in the regular season is often overstated. You know, it's maybe max a win or two is the most you can have. 50, 80 your games the same. But I think in the playoffs, I actually, even if they aren't quite as good, I almost might like things better, you know, pending a Lillard acquisition for Miami. Yeah, I mean, to me, the last you know, few years, it's always sort of started with, with Boston and, um, you know, I, it's funny. I mean, I just keep coming back to if you if you look at it from a Bucks perspective, I mean, Horford obviously has has done a, you know, held up remarkably well the past couple of years, you know, oftentimes having to be the primary defender on Giannis. But I think Grant Williams and Marcus Smart, like what they're able to do, not just Grant Williams having to defend Giannis one on one and being pretty competent at that, but then you know, what what always to me makes Boston so special is the way that they were able to help. They were able to switch. I mean, you know, and and flop, right? I mean, Marcus Smart and Grant Williams are terrific at drawing right. charges and and you know baiting Giannis into offensive fouls and um, and frustrating him. And you know, those guys being in the Western Conference now. I mean, if you're a Bucks fan, you are thrilled <laughs> because those guys were such pains um to to Giannis specifically but I think the Bucks more generally right obviously Grant Williams the greatest the greatest game of his life in uh in game seven of that second round series a couple of years ago where the Bucks just kind of let him let him shoot whatever it was 18 three pointers or, or however whatever the number was so seven seven of 18 it is seared in my mind yeah so um so I think the the Celtics defense you know to me I, I just keep coming back to man you know I, we talk about the Bucks and having to have like different pitches defensively um I, I don't know that the Bucks have exactly succeeded in that I think they're going to try more stuff but I think for Boston I mean what always scared me most from a Bucks perspective was just the the switchability and the number of guys of, of different sizes who could come in and and you know again provide that edge crowd Giannis build that wall etc and you know to me you you had three that always stood out to me and you've you've, you've gotten rid of two of them so um so I I think I think that's you know especially from a, a Bucks offense standpoint I, I think you know you're breathing a sigh of relief. You know, Chris Stapps, as as you pointed out on the the pod with with Jared Weiss the other day. I mean, Giannis just goes through Chris Stapps. I think he averages like I want to say like against Chris Stapps, and I don't know if it's the last few years or or something, but it was like he was averaged like 37 points a game against you know like Porzingis teams or something like that. Um, and so yeah, Chris Stapps, you know, I don't think is going to guard Giannis one v one. And so um, you know, is it is it Al, you know, Tatum, Brown, like those guys are just so much smaller and less physical than, than Giannis. It becomes really hard, I think, for them. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think Boston is interesting. As you said, Porzingis and his floor stretching certainly tests, uh, tests a Brooke Lopez drop defense in ways that, that, you know, even Al Horford shooting 40 some percent, it seemed like always, uh, doesn't just because of, of how much quicker and, and further out Chris Apps can shoot from. But I think Boston is such an interesting team. I'm fascinated to see how kind of how that all adds up. 
And especially also with Chris Stapps and just the injuries and the lack of durability and, you know, for Rob Williams, his durability problem. So I can't wait to see those teams play each other. And yeah, I mean, Philly, you just, I don't know, as a Bucks fan, I just sort of always assume Philly's going to kind of get in their own way and kind of screw things up one way or another. So, um, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, I really, mean, I need to see that matchup at some point in the playoffs yeah. of Giannis and Embiid. I, I really hope it happens at some point or another. Yeah. Um, and, and I think just to, to finish, I mean, I think Miami is the, is the obvious other, you know, team that, that could be right there. Um, you know, I, I, for, I've been, I've been asking all summer, like why, why are people not always talking about Caleb Martin as being part of the, the ballast in a, in a Dame trade, even if the, the Blazers don't want him? like, you know, Portland, make sure you get Caleb Martin. Cause I do not want to see him on the heat next year. It seems like he's often left out of those discussions. I think he had a, Nate, I think he had a 78% true shooting in the first round against, uh, against the bucks. Duncan Robinson was 90, 93%. So those guys are, uh, are are have kept me up at nights a little bit, but um, but yeah, I mean, Dame obviously would would fundamentally shift, you know, the the kind of balance of power to an extent. I think you have a, a big three in the East then, and certainly if people want to put Miami at the top as far as like kind of playoff uh, contention, like eh, I kind of get it, but I also sort of want to see the Heat do it um, and and actually have to kind of deliver on it. And again, I think there were obviously a lot of parts of their run which they deserve full credit for um that you know was it indicative of what might happen in the future you know maybe maybe not and you know gave vincent gone max yeah, Struess well, gone it wasn't indicative of what was gonna it wasn't indicative of what was gonna happen in the finals that was that, that was true we uh, you know a lot of bucks fans wistfully looking at uh at at that final saying like man we could have used that uh you know a few weeks ago but Again, yeah, full full credit to the Heat. You know, at the end of the day, you got to make shots, you got to get stops, and the Heat did, the Bucks didn't, and injuries obviously, you know, are a factor. But you know, sometimes breaks go your way, sometimes they don't. All right, well, uh, the man whose tagline is "Never trust the Bucks." <laughs> uh, got to listen to his show, Locked on Bucks. Whatever something interesting happens related to Milwaukee and uh, F Madden NBA. Is that the that's Twitter that's handle? that's the handle? And for the record, Nate, uh, never trust the Bucks was my pin tweet for a long time. I ceremoniously deleted that tweet after the Bucks won the championship. It was a very cathartic moment. Uh, but yeah, you, you couldn't help but uh, go back to that phrase uh, that I thought was was dead and buried. I you had to kind of go back to it uh, last spring or this past spring uh, after that first run series. That was that was maybe the. The most quintessential never trust the Bucks uh week uh or, or few days at least uh in my time covering the team. But but so it goes, you know, banners fly forever. Uh I I can stomach a first round loss uh, much better now than I could uh, a few years ago. So it is what it is. But yeah, you just never you just never know when the Bucks are gonna gonna sneak back and, and give you some some classic Bucks. Uh, never trust the Bucks moments. All right, man. Well, this is great. Really appreciate you coming on and uh, looking forward to returning the favor some point this year. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 